tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. And welcome to episode 161 of the Michigan Sports Truth Postgame Edition on Talk Show. The Quinfecta is complete. I'm Taylor Phillips along with Matt Pierce and Louis Tenor. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? We're doing fine. I'm doing real good. Awesome. Good. Going to recap uh, five big games, uh, plus the Grand Rapids Griffins losing to the Cleveland Monsters 3-2 to two in overtime. And uh, some some news from a source via Justin Spiro at Darko State News on Twitter regarding the Detroit Tigers front office. But really? first, oh yeah, hmm. yeah. There's even there's even more news uh, related to yesterday's news that the Tigers were uh, feeling less motivated to uh, trade away their their uh, veteran players like Justin Verlander, Miguel Cabrera, and Ian Kinsler. And Francisco right. Rodriguez. Yep. Well, first off, in chronological order, um, the Michigan State Spartans uh, finally pulled away in one game. They won 77-57 over the Youngstown State Penguins. Nick Ward, uh, 13 points. Not Not bad, not great. Uh, you yeah. see him out hitting big threes in the beginning of the second half there. <clears throat> yeah. Aaron Harris with 13 points as a starter. Matt McQuaid with 11. Only two starting Spartans in double figures. Harris and McQuaid. Laurel's Tum Tum Nair Jr. and Kyle Aarons. Kyle Aarons with, uh, with, with four each. And Kenny Yawns with two. He should definitely be demoted back to the bench. <laughs> yeah. Here's a surprise. Josh Langford with 15 off the bench for Michigan State. At least somebody else, at least another, at least one other person off the bench stepped up tonight for MSU. Well, he was actually calling for the ball tonight. You know, he hasn't been doing that. And uh, I think that helped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah he... He uh, he definitely need, needs needed more playing time. He needed more time. He needed more. Uh, he needed to pr- produce more offense. He he was calling for the ball so desperately that he wants to have his name recognized. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Josh Langford is trying to earn a, a starting spot as well. Yeah, he looked pretty good tonight. Uh, six of eight, three for four from uh, three-point land. Yeah, six of eight and three for four for, from three. Matt Donlin with 21 points leading the Penguins and Francisco Santiago with 13. Everybody else in single digits. 
for Youngstown State. Yeah, held them uh, to 32 per, you know, 32 percent from the field. So that you know, it's good to see them play a little more defense. Looks like to see if Winston was playing a little more defense. Um, that's good to see. You know, I mean, I think their offense is, you know, it'll be all right. Just, just they got to play some D and rebound actually. <laughs> mhm. <clears throat> so the next game for the Michigan State Spartans is at home on the 10th, on Saturday at 2 o'clock on BTN against the Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles at Breslin Center. The, e- the Golden Eagles are 4-6 and six and 1-4 and four away. The Youngstown State Penguins uh, dropped to 5-5 five and 1-3 five and and on the road. The Michigan State Spartans improved to 6-4 and 4-0 four and four and oh at home. Yes. Yeah, a lot of road games, a lot of neutral sites so far. You know, I'm sorry about that. No, that's okay. That's my fault. <laughs> Long pause right there. I apologize for that. Um, that was the, the Spartans' uh, first route win this season at home and of the season as well. Yes, it was. Uh, good to see. You know, I mean, it's. Finally, actually, good to take a breather in the last ten minutes of a game. <laughs> mhm. Moving on to the Central Michigan Chippewas, they sweep the Green Bay Phoenix with a 107-97 win at McGurk Arena. Marcus Keene continues to be red hot: 40 points, 11 assists, and seven rebounds. Three rebounds shy of a triple double for the Central Michigan Chippewas. Marcus Keene shooting 6 of 12 from 3, 12 of 23 from the floor, and 10 of 11 from the free throw line. The junior guard from San Antonio, Texas, 5'9", 175. He's averaging 30.4 points per game. Wow. He he wants a job in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, You keep playing like that, he'll, uh, he'll get a chance. Another uprising stat, Braylon Rayson with 30 points. And Luke Meyer with 10 rebounds, but only 5 points. At least Meyer uh, uh, contributed in some category. And Cecil Williams with 12 points, and Josh Kaczynski with 6. Not much there, but uh, David DeLeo with 10. The only uh, bench player for Central Michigan to con- to contribute much for the Phoenix four four starters in um, double figures plus one bench player in double figures except he led the entire team in scoring. That's Kareem Cantor with 23 points, Charles Cooper with 16, Jamar. Jamar Hurdle with 14, Trevor Anderson, and Khalil Small each with 12. But uh, Kareem Cantler, just like Nick Ward of Michigan State, off the bench, led the entire team in scoring, like last week. Yeah. 
So for the Central Michigan Chippewas, they improved to eight and two. They go to Illinois on Saturday at three and play the Fighting Illini. And that won't be televised, I guess. Nope. Yeah, BTN puts that on BTN Plus. See where you got to pay for it, generally. Maybe, yeah. Either that or ESPN3. <laughs> Wherever that is. That's on the internet. The Illini are 7-3 and three and 6-1 and one at home. The Chippewas, though, are 2-1. and one. Two and zero on the road, so that should be a good one. Yes, it should. Yeah. Now the Pistons and the Bulls. The Pistons beat the Bulls one hundred two to ninety one. Tobias Harris with twenty two points, leading in scoring. Andre Drummond with. 15 points and 10 rebounds, yet one for four from the free throw line. Yeah, you just can't play him at the end of half. <laughs> no, no. Continues to be awful from the strike. Marcus Morris with 13. Contavious Caldwell Pope with 12. Reggie Jackson with seven. John Lohr with nine. Darren Hilliard with nine. Aaron Baines with eight points. Not bad. Not terrible. It's seven. <laughs> Uh, nine rebounds also for, yeah, nine rebounds, eight points. So, uh, good nine night. rebounds for Baines. Yeah, he, he, he's, he, I guess he's getting a little better. Uh, he, I guess he got a little better uh, tonight with, with Drummond playing. Right, yeah, you think, uh, well, he, he's playing for contract, so you think he'd be playing the best ball of his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, just about the entire bench, uh, showed up for the Pistons tonight. Stanley Johnson uh, not included, zero points and one rebound in just six minutes. He didn't get much playing time there. So, But when he did, he looked horrible. I saw him, you know, I mean, like, yeah. he got the ball on offense and tried to do, like, a spin move and lost the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that one might come back to bite uh, Stan if it doesn't, you Mike know, especially because the guy down in Miami playing good um, from Duke, um, Julius. I can't think of his name. Um, yeah, Stanley's not looking too good. No, no, it, no, he's not. So the Pistons. Oh, yep. Go ahead. So the Pistons improved to twelve and one and eight and to twelve and eleven. Overall, and eight and three at home, the Bulls the Bulls dropped to eleven and ten and six and seven on the road. The Pistons will the Pistons. Let me look here. They have they have uh, the Charlotte Hornets at Time Warner Cable Arena tomorrow night at seven. The rematch from Time Time Warner Cable Arena in Charlotte. That's tomorrow at 7. Charlotte, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him beat him. You know, always like beating Jordan. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pistons last week crushed the Hornets. They bug sprayed them. 
121 yeah. to 89. We'll see if they get any revenge factor going. Yeah. The Red Wings uh, finally got, got a win at MTS Center. Their first ever win at MTS Center, 4-3 in a shootout over the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Tomas Tatar, Anthony Mantha with another goal, and Thomas Vanek, the tying goal, and the tying goal in the shootout, Henrik Zetterberg with a game-winning shootout goal and an assist. It, uh, it looked like the Jets were, when they went up 3-1, were about to put the Red Wings away, but it was it was the first period. Granted, the Red Wings still had 40 minutes left to uh, come back and tie it, and it was a two-goal game. But uh, okay. I was thinking, I was after, I was actually thinking uh, the Red Wings should have pulled Morazic uh, after after giving up three goals. They, they decided to stick with him, but um, it, all of a sudden Morazic uh, settled down, and got himself locked in, and uh, he did his job. He stopped yeah, 31 of 34 shots. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, that first period was brutal. And then, yeah. uh, you know, once he settled down, I mean, look at that, you know, two, you know, zeros the rest of the game. So, and the Wings, you know, had enough offense to tie it up, at least. And then, uh, you know, the shootout's always a gamble. And there's Yeah, they couldn't. Yeah, they could have won in an overtime with uh, Dylan Larkin with a wide-open net, but he missed it. With seven seconds left, you, get, you, you, you can't miss that. you gotta, you got to hit the back of the net with that shot. It was a, it was a, it was a turnaround shot, but, mm-hmm. um, but um, he, he just didn't get, get enough accuracy on it. Yeah, didn't have the beat and uh, just wide and, um, you know, it's uh, it's, uh, something you hope a professional makes, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and Dylan Larkin was kicking himself. But but that's why the game went went into a shootout. Franz Nielsen was the first Red Wing shooter, and uh, he hit hit the crossbar just, just barely. Um, we didn't. There was there was uh, no clank on it, but it, but um, there was the replay showed it hit the crossbar and and didn't and didn't go under. So so Peter Morazic stopped Blake Wheeler, and then Gustav Nyquist lost the puck when um, surging in on goal against. Uh, Hellebuck, Connor Hellebuck. And then Patrick Lane made a nice move and scored five hole on Peter Morazic, just like Gustav Nyquist usually does. And then Th- Thomas Vanek was the last hope for the Red Wings, and he beat Connor, Connor Hellebuck five hole with a wrister down low. And then um, Brian Little was stopped by Morazic. No, no, he missed the net, actually. Um, 
then Henrik Zetterberg came in in the fourth round and and Deacon scored top shelf. That was his second shootout goal in a row. And and Peter Morazic uh, stopped Drew Stafford to seal the win. Henrik Zetterberg's uh, second shootout win, that second shootout goal in a row, stood to be the game winner, just like his first shootout goal. So both Henrik Zetterberg's uh, shootout goals this season have been game winners, and they, and they were consecutively. That's, that's good. Uh, you know, better going. Uh, you know, shootouts—they're tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tough well, to watch. Henrik, I, I like them, yeah. but you know, they, they put you on the edge of your seat. I guess. Henrik Zetterberg uh, used to be in such a lifelong terrible slump. In that in in the shootout, but now he's now he scored two shootout goals in a row. Mm-hmm. This could be a sign that. Go ahead. Yep. This could be a sign that uh, Henrik Zetterberg could be uh, red hot in the shootout as of late. Two goals in a row. The next time he step, the next time he steps in. He'll be going for three in a row, tic-tac-toe. And I have to think he'd be pretty jacked up, too. You know, I mean, I would be. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah. Ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Imagine that that was the game winner. Yeah. So the Red Wings pick up two important points. They now improve to uh, – 13, 11, and 3 with 29 points. The Jets get a get one point, improve to 29 points, but fall to 13, 13, and 3. The Red Wings now jump ahead of the Florida Panthers for fifth place in the Atlantic Division. The, the Panthers still have 12 wins, 11 regulation losses, and four overtime losses and 28 points in totality. Now the Red Wings just need to uh, catch up with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are in, who are in fourth place at 14-11-2 with 30 points. The Boston Bruins in third place with 31 points at 15-10-11. The Senators, 32 points, 15-9-2. The Montreal Canadiens, of course, 17-6-3 with 37 the Canadians are were were uh, are are uh, kind of hard to uh, kind of hard for any any Atlantic team to catch up. But sec but but uh, second place is more on the line for the rest of the in the Atlantic Division for the rest of the seven teams. Yeah, all within a couple of wins. Um, uh, you know, good to see a couple Canadian teams up there. You know, I'd like to see Montreal. You know mm-hmm. that. You know. You know, it's like yeah, it's an all, uh, yeah, it's a battle for second place, whereas the Canadians have it all but wrapped up. But it's only early December, so yeah, there's still what four months to go. <laughs> yeah, we still know how uh, great the Canadians are, especially especially with Carey Price in in that, um, Galchenyuk, 
Gallagher, even with even without PK PK Zuban, PK Zuban, who's now a Nashville Predator. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I thought the Wings, you know, might go for him. Um, yeah, even the Sabers are close, and the Maple Leafs. The Sabers have twenty six, and the Maple Leafs have twenty five. That's close to the Florida Panthers, who have twenty eight. Yeah, it's a tight bunch. Oh yeah, it's all, all the de- the entire deck has been stacked up. Just uh, you know, Wings got a few guys on the you know. Hopefully Howard can get healthy. That new kid looked pretty good. Uh, you know, it's just uh, Matha. Uh, I uh, the who's the, who's the goalie there for Detroit the other day? The the rookie, Jared Coral. Yeah, he was yeah. good through two periods, but then, um, then with the things started to fall apart, the defense simply could not help him. Too much traffic in front of Coral. Um, the Penguins came back to win that game five to three in, on uh, the past Saturday. Right. the The one thing Coral, the one thing Coral needs to work on is stop is stopping uh, shots in traffic and deflection shots. He's young. This was his first NHL debut game. Right. And was solid for, you know, for two, you know, but then, you know, I mean, when the real thing comes at you hard, (laughs) you know, uh, sometimes it's tough to adjust. Uh, It's different. NHL, you know, they're so much more willing to block shots and whatnot. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They have been known for screening their, screening their own goaltender instead of just blocking instead of just blocking the shots. They they screen the goaltender and let it go by them and, and into the net. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, you go back to Iserman, how many times that guy lay down and take a puck? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Crazy. You know, the, yeah, the Red Wings are, Yeah, today's today's Red Wings are not even learning from Steve Iserman, the captain. No, I'd love to see him fire Ken Holland. I know I, I, there's no way the Eisenman wouldn't come back if they offered him the money and you know gave him power. He's proven he can do it. That can happen. I'd like to see it happen, mm-hmm. um, especially with the new arena. Uh, you're gonna need to put butts in the seats. Uh, you, you know. Lucky for them, they got the way out of the Pistons to take 41 nights of those. So, but still big, big money. And uh, if, you know, if the Wings are playing like they are, I mean, granted they're they're winning this year, but uh, you know, just floundering the last few years, that's not going to cut it in a new arena, especially downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. Well, I mean, right. downtown. Sorry. <laughs> I happen to agree. Yep. And uh, especially the Pistons, you know, they better be pretty good when they go down there next year. Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, the wine and cheese crowd generally. <laughs> so the Red Wings uh, head back home. Uh, they have two days off before heading back to Joe Louis Arena and playing the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets, 
at 7.30. Boone Jenner uh, on the team. Sergey Bobrowski. Puck drops at 7.30 on, on Fox Sports Detroit Plus. Is there a, a better quote than John John Cudarella after a game? I mean, that guy, uh, he's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they got... They also got Sam Gagne and Cam Atkinson at right wing. Nick Foligno, Alexander Wenberg, Brandon Sott, the former Chicago Blackhawk, Curtis McElhaney in goal. He's another he's another good goaltender. Uh, Two oh three goals against average. The Columbus Blue Jackets are fifteen five and four. In in third place in the Metropolitan Division, just one point behind both the Penguins and the Rangers, who are tied for first place with thirty five points, except the Penguins are sixteen seven and three and the Rangers are seventeen nine and one. That's two more regulation losses than the Penguins. That's that's what decides who's in first place and who's in second place. Yeah, yeah. that's the biggest tiebreaker right there. It's just the the strange scoring system all around. (laughs) It is. Yep. No telling that. Right. So look at that. I mean, even uh, you know, I mean, even the Islanders last place are ten and ten, twenty five points. And then uh, in the Metropolitan Division, uh, Carolina ten and ten. I mean, uh, you know. Ten points separates the you know top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a battle. That, yeah, the Isles are in a battle with the Carolina Hurricanes to avoid last last place in, in the Metro Division, just just to avoid last place. They're they're five points away from the New Jersey Devils, who are uh, in a stacked deck for a battle for first place in the Metropolitan Division, along with the Washington Capitals, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Jackets, the Rangers, and the Pens. So, so speaking of uh, stacked stack deck stack conferences, there's another one right there. Yeah, for sure. So again, next game Friday at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets at 7:30 on Fox Sports Detroit Plus. They, they, I have to admit, John Tortorella has coached them well. He's not a bad coach. He just, you know, he's a great quote. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. As I go back to, you know, I mean, he's fun to listen to. Uh, he's always got something to say. But you know, yeah. he's been fired a few times, so. Yeah, by the Lightning and then and then the uh, Vancouver Canucks and the and the New York Rangers. Yeah. Rangers and then Canucks. I guess that's the definition of a retread. <laughs> yeah. And finally, oh, before I move on to Michigan, the Grand Rapids Griffins lose to the uh, Cleveland Monsters three to two. In overtime, their next game is on Friday against the Iowa Wild. 
now the Michigan Wolverines in, in a very, very tight battle with the Texas Longhorns. The Michigan Wolverines prevail 53-50, to improved to 7-2 and 5-1 and at Chrysler Center. The Longhorns suffered their first uh, loss on the road. That was their first road game, actually, uh, uh, this season. They dropped a 4-4 four and four overall. <laughs> it sounds like Syracuse, you know. Jim Beheim fears road games before conference. <clears throat> yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, Muhammad Ali up Joe Rockman with only three points. Zach Irvin with three. Derek Walton with Jr. with seven. Moritz Wagner with 15. DJ Wilson with 12 with 13. Duncan Robinson off the bench with 12. Donnell and Xavier Simpson with zero each. Yeah, basically uh, six people scored. Only one Longhorn player in double digits. Tevin Mack with 18. That's been it. Team statistics. 31-28 in rebounds, Texas. The Longhorns uh, turned the ball over 14 times, Wolverines 12 times. Shooting percentages, 41.7% by Michigan, 38.5% by Texas. Three-point range, very, very close, 31.6% to 31.3% Michigan over Texas in, in that category. And free throw percentage, the Longhorns, 83.3%, five out of six from the stripe. Michigan, 63.6%, seven of 11. Uh, back to the Pistons Bulls. I forgot to uh, mention their team their team stats. The Bulls shot only 13.3% from the three-point line and the Pistons turned the ball over only nine times. Yet they get out-rebounded 45-44. They outshoot the Bulls 45.5% to 44% flat. The Bulls uh, gave the ball away 14 times. Points in the paint, 42-36 Pistons, 17 fast-break points apiece. Points off turnovers, 24-10 Bulls. That, that needs to be cleaned up. And finally, free throw percentage. Pistons, 66.7%, 14 and 21. The Bulls, 23 to 32, 71.9%. So not too much of a difference. Uh, That's because Drummond only shot four. (laughs) Yep, one for four, yep. But Jackson looks like they're working him back in slow. He only played 18 minutes, two for nine. But, you know, you would have to think that they're going to get better. Uh, you'd hope Stanley Johnson gets better. But, uh, never know. Yep. So uh, back to the Michigan Wolverines. Their next game is at number two UCLA Saturday night at 8 on ESPN2. Yeah, that'd be toughy. UCLA's yeah. looked really good. Michigan has a history. Michigan has ranked that high. 
Michigan has had a history of going to UCLA and getting clobbered by the Bruins, and yet and yet losing losing at least one close game, and uh, and uh, I I think that was an overtime. I, I I can hardly remember that, but that was a few years ago. The Wolverines actually haven't. Uh, Apparently have not um, gone into UCL, gone in, gone to UCLA in, in a few years. In fact, yeah, the Bruins, made their... <laughs> yeah, the Bruins are are undefeated overall, nine and nine and zero overall, and five and zero at home. And they beat some good teams. They would uh, beat Kentucky the other day. Yeah, UCLA should. Uh, should apparently uh, win that one in a route. Uh, except, well, sort of. Michigan is seven and two, but um, they're not as there's they're not as consistent as their record is. But especially from the uh, from the free throw line. Really? Yep. Can't seem to find that stat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. So I uh, I have some uh, news about the Detroit Tigers via Justin Spiro from a source. He tweeted out at Darko State News. The Tigers ownership remains determined to shed more salary but won't dump uh, won't dump marquee won't dump marquee players without premium prospects or youth coming coming back my position on this offseason if the tigers can stockpile young high end controllable talent go ahead and tear it down i was also justin spear was also told unequivocally that Verlander, Justin Verlander, wants to wants to stay and has limited teams he'd sign off on. If moved, he wants the Dodgers bad. Yeah, Kate Upton. Um, uh, I would say on that, um, you know, it goes oh, back. Kate Upton has nothing to do with it. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I would say my biggest fear is Al Avila. You know, I mean, he hasn't proven that he can trade for good talent. So, you know, I mean, not like Dabrowski, you know, ran out of town there with some left us with some great talent, you know, with some good trades. Uh, you know, and look at Dabrowski today, traded for Chris Sale, gave up the number one prospect uh, overall in a, in a pitcher. Uh, you know, they didn't want like <laughs> Dombrowski doesn't like top prospects. No, no, Dombrowski goes out and gets top prospects and then trades them for proven players like Miguel Cabrera. You know, I mean, that's the reason why we have them because we drafted uh, Cameron Mabin and Andrew Miller, which Andrew Miller turned out to be a good player. Mabin, you know, proved last summer that he was pretty solid. So, uh, yeah, they well, gave him away to the Angels for a, for a, um, 
a prospect right-handed relief pitcher, Victor Alcantara. Uh, I don't even know who he is, but um, he's not that good. Yeah, that you know, and Maven was like a catalyst. I mean, the yeah. guy played a fantastic year. I mean, it was going to be nine million dollars. I mean, I would have rather seen you trade Kinsler or something than Maven. I don't know. Yep. You know, I mean, to me, honestly, I love uh, Miguel, but uh, if you can get a bunch of prospects for Miguel. I think he's the one you trade because Verlander obviously still has the two years and, uh, you know, Miguel's prone to breaking down, you know, Detroit would probably have to eat, you know, 30, 40 million in salary or something. But, um, you know, he's got eight years left or something like that. And if you can get rid of him and get some, you know, decent return, I think that's something you, you have to do as much as I love Miguel Cabrera. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to Bill Belichick, you know, get rid of him before he, you know, dies on you. Yep. And then one more tweet from Justin Spiro at Darko State News. I don't hate the Tigers' position as much as most. They'll either run it back with a very talented group or load up with high-end youth. I think it could go both ways. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously they're willing to pay the luxury tax again now, apparently. Um you got to hope that someone like Upton has a hell of a lot better year. Uh, and you hope them young, uh, the young pitchers come through again also. So, I mean, there's talent there. There's no reason, you know, they can't make another run at it. Not my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, did did you read Jeff Moss's tweets yesterday um, about – about the uh, Tigers being less motivated to uh, trade away their veteran players. Yeah, that's no, I didn't. Chris uh, Illich. Uh, that's what I heard uh, briefly, but can you uh, you can fill me in? That'd be great. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'll get yeah, I'll get it right right now. I'm gonna go to Jeff Moss's Twitter account, Jeff Moss uh, at Jeff Moss DSR. I believe I follow him. <laughs> See here. Okay. Number one, following are my thoughts regarding Pope John Paul Morosi's report that the Tigers are not as focused on dumping money as they were last month. Number two, Mike Illich became very ill, very ill this past spring. Chris Illich took over control control of the team. He immediately ordered a dumping of the salary. Number three, Chris Illich's first edit was for Al Avila to try to dump Justin Upton, a signing his dad wanted to make and he did not. No deal could be no deal be no deal could be made. Shocker. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. Number four, Chris Illich is going to sell the Tigers the moment his dad dies. Cutting thirty million dollars off the budget was designed to make the sale more attractive. Uh, well, I hope Gores is interested or some other high-priced billionaire. That's coming up right now. Number five, Jeff Moss tweets, I believe during the Pistons negotiations to Little Caesars Arena, a discussion of Gores' eventual interest in the Tigers occurred. 
mean, that's uh, how about both the Red Wings and the Tigers? Why not? I mean, the guy's got, you know, flowing. There's more. Number six. (laughs) Yes, number six. We already know that Tom Gores and Dan Gilbert have teamed up to bring a soccer team to downtown Detroit. Number seven, do you think the pair of Gilbert Gores would rather own an MLS team downtown as opposed to the Detroit Tigers? Number eight, Gilbert has has an issue of owning casinos, which is a conflict with purchasing an MLB team. See Illich, Marion, Motors slash Motor City Casino. Number nine, would it be easier for Gilbert to work around the casino issue with Gores as a partner in purchasing the Tigers? Number 10, it would not shock me, Jeff Moss, if Gores indicated he wasn't scared off by the Tigers' high payroll, which has led to Avila backing off the backing off the fire sale. And then finally, last but la- last but not least, one thing I know for sure based on information gleaned from the Illich family members and and Olympia employees, Chris will Chris Illich will sell the Tigers. The end. Uh, to be honest with you, that's the best news I've heard uh, in a while. Uh, I would love to see that. Because I know Gores, you know, he's willing to spend the money. And, you know, even when he said he's moving the Pistons down to the Little Caesars, said he wanted a half interest. I mean, who's going to give up half interest of all that work they already did unless he's trying to buy him or something, you know? Um you know, I, it doesn't say anything about the Red Wings, but I, I would have to think that it includes all of Olympia Entertainment, you know, Pine Knob and everything. Uh, or, well, I'm sorry, that was the Pistons. But um, I, I just, uh, I can see that. Um, Tom Gores wants to win. He knows his talent here, and uh, selling it off isn't going to win him, you know, isn't going to keep fans in the seat. You know, if he takes, say he takes over next spring, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, they had a fire sale, all of a sudden the stadium's going to be empty and he's not going to make any money. But as long as he's drawing $3 million plus, that place is a gravy train. So, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Jeff, and then Jeff Moss tweets, uh, Gores is about to get, Contavious Caldwell Pope over $20 million a year. I don't think either are terrified of a $200 million Tigers budget. And then one interesting item, would, would the NBA be concerned with competing owners in their sport co-owning a professional franchise in another big four? Yeah. Collusion. <laughs> but, I mean, what are they going to do? Uh you know, just trade basketball players back and forth that they think they can win with. I mean, I don't see that happening. Um, and then the gambling thing, you know, I mean, he owns Rock, or Dan Gilbert owns uh, Rock uh, Gambling Ventures or whatever it's called. And, yeah, he owns, like, nine casinos along with uh, what, Motor C- or Greek Town or Motor City. I can't remember which one, but... You know, the guy owns so much already, and Gores, hey, I, I love another billionaire coming back to Michigan and spending money, so I'm all for it. 
still at, yep. you know, 89. I mean, you're 90. I mean, he's... I know. Yeah. That's a lot. So, yeah, I'd love to live that long. Yep. Yep. So then Dennis Pasco at D Pas Pasco P A S C O E seventy two D P A S C O E seventy two. So the Tigers are screwing. Tweeted to Jeff Moss. So the Tigers are screwing this whole thing up because one of those guys wants to buy them, and Jeff Moss quotes him and says, "Take take one more run at it with this team. A ton of money is coming off the books next year anyway." So evaluate again at that point. Right. Yeah. Give it a reevaluation. I mean, uh, I'm not sure who's coming off the balance. You know, without looking at the books, I can't tell you. But I'm, you know, say like four contracts come off the books. I mean, you know, it's not Miguel or Verlander, but uh, I think Annabelle Sanchez is coming off the books. Telfrey's coming off the books. Zimmerman's coming off the books. So right yeah. there is like, uh, yeah, 30 or 40 million. So. And that's just off the top of my head without looking at anything. Um, I think it's viable. And uh, trust me, uh, you know, I mean, and, and say, yeah, say someone like Gores wants to buy it and says, you know, I can't have a fire sale. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, Chris Illich, uh I went to a little Caesars. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, he doesn't seem to want to be in the public spotlight. You know, he doesn't seem to have that vanity um, that you need to be an owner nowadays. You know, I mean, hey, you know, I mean, have you ever seen Chris Illich at a news conference, really? I mean, no. So he's his dad. So, I mean, it, maybe he is just something he doesn't want to do. Well, there, well, there was a press conference uh at at the new Little Caesars Arena involving uh, Chris Illich and Tom Gores, they're making the Pistons' official movement to downtown Detroit at Little Caesars Arena to join the Red Wings starting next season. I didn't watch that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, that's, once again, that's maybe that's kind of a handoff, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> That's hey, this is the guy that's actually going to be running it, uh, you know. Because mm-hmm. when someone asks for half equity in something that you've built and you've spent, you know, blood, sweat, and tears for, you know, basically 15 years trying to get this done, you know, all of a sudden you're giving this guy half equity because he said he wanted to move in without half equity, which means he owns half the building and half the stuff. That tells me that, you know, there. You know, I mean, I Mike Gillis. I don't think would have ever done that in a million years. So it tells me that it is more his son willing to pass on the business. I guess. Mm-hmm. That, and then uh, Jason Beck at Beck Jason, the uh, MLB.com Tigers beat writer, tweets: Tigers GM Alavila colon quote There's never been a mandate to dump salary unquote. And Jeff Moss quotes it and says, right, because the Maven, de- the Maven trade was just a good, solid baseball deal. <laughs> Which I thought was horrible. I, I was really mad they traded him yeah. because, you know, you look at the games that Maven didn't play there, and they were, you know, they just weren't as good. Yep. They were better when he was in the lineup. That's why I was, mm-hmm. you know, 
That's true. He had a very high, an extremely high OPS. Jeff Moss, by the way, being sarcastic on that tweet. Oh, um, yeah, I understand. I'm a fan. So. <laughs> good, good. Oh, yeah, I follow him on Twitter. So. Good. Yeah, Along he, with uh, very provocative. John Paul Morosi, I follow everybody. So. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And and he, then he then Moss tweets. Of course, Alavila is in a position where he isn't allowed to tell the truth by Chris Illich, but I'd rather he say nothing and not treat us like saps. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. You know, because you know, what was it two months ago? We're dumping salary, and all of a sudden, well, eh, maybe we're not dumping salary. You know, I mean, it really was a, a turn there yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, uh, completely 180 from what they said. And it, it maybe, you know, that could be because they hadn't had any response to Miguel Cabrera and Ian Kinsler, for that matter, or Trades or Verlander or anybody. You never know. Yep. And then Bobby Rogers at Broad B R O D nine O O nine nine zero zero nine tweets at Jeff tweets to Jeff Moss. Why keep Maven why keep Maven when you have Ghost and Tyler Collins? Jeff Moss quotes purely a baseball move, no salary dump no salary dump, move along, nothing to see here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because Ghost and uh, Tyler Collins are a joke. Um, uh, you know, you, I, at that point, you got to hope to Kobe Jones, you know, the but Joaquin uh, Story to trade to Pittsburgh, I believe we got him for. Or, eh, maybe not. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, the guy had a great fall league, but, you know, what, he hit 214 with the Tigers or something. So, you know, they want to see him in AAA a little more before they bring him up. So, you can't rely on ghosts. I mean, that guy was a disaster and a cancer last year. Mm-hmm. And then um, Dirk tweets at A underscore Dirk, don't the numbers say Maven was more was more lucky than good this year, unlikely to repeat that performance? And Jeff Moss tweets, even a regression would lead – would leave him head and shoulders above a team, head and shoulders above a team. Cancer, ghosts, a never was loser in Tyler Collins, and a, <laughs> a not a not ready prospect, Jacoby Jones. Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, to me, if you look at the games he played in, they were well over 500, and the games he didn't play in, they weren't. Yeah, I mean, granted, he had an unbelievable year hitting over, you know, around 300. I can't remember what he finished at. But, uh, you know, I mean, he, he brought a positive energy to a clubhouse that didn't have any. And that's a big deal. I mean, look at the look at the Spartans this year with, uh, you know, their clubhouse mentality. Not good. So, uh, I think, you know, I think losing, I think getting rid of Maven was a mistake. And uh, mainly just because he was a positive attitude on the team and everyone liked him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then one more. Dirk replies, 
to him, this is true, but is he worth $9 million for the year? It's a salary dump, but, but is it smart money to dump? Moss quotes, $9 million for one year for a player who is going to give you minimum 1.5 to 2 war wins above replacement is very good value, especially at a position of need. Oh, center field, where he can cover a ton of ground. I mean, he's a plus outfielder. And two, it's not my money. Uh, once again, everyone always worries about money. You know what? As long as Illich is willing to spend it, who cares? And apparently he's willing to spend it again, or the new owner, perhaps. Um, I always go back, it's not my money, so why worry about it? <laughs> Yep, and and uh, that that's been it thus far. Uh, Prashant Iyer uh, published an article about Anthony Mantha, headlining "It's Anthony Mantha's World, and We Are Just Living in It." <laughs> it it, uh, it shows GIFs of uh, GIF videos of uh, Anthony Mantha sniping the puck top shelf past the Calgary. Uh, goaltender and uh, uh, that's Brett Johnson and uh, the devil's goaltender Corey Schneider in New Jersey. Anthony Mathis has a five-on-five individual expected goals per 60-minute ratio, a five-on-five IXG 60 of over 0.9 game for 60 minutes. That's impressive. Yeah. From this chart, we we see that Mantha leads all Red Wings forwards in five-on-five individual expected goals per 60 minutes. Why is that important? Well, DTM About Heart found out, found out that IXG60 better estimates future goal scoring as compared to individual goals per 60 minutes. IG60, and individual shot attempts per 60 minutes. That's ICF60. Prashant Meyer is the advanced advanced metrics analyst for winging in in Motown via uh, a subsidiary of SB Nation. That was published just yesterday now, December 6, 2016, at 10.28 a.m. Central Time, so that's uh, 11.28 Eastern Time a.m. There was another, yep, that was another <laughs> um, chart, expected goals, They're predicting future uh, I goals, individual goals uh, per 60 minutes at the player level. At DTM about about hard expected goals are are a better predictor of future scoring than Corsi goals. Um, have you? I got a question about that. Okay, I, am I missing? Are they using angles? How are they using these metrics? Like, uh, uh, I'll. Uh, I'll actually, uh, I'll actually uh, tweet that to you. 
Okay, um, yeah, you better because I don't have, it sounds like it'd be too long to explain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let me uh, look up your Twitter handle first. At mailing ten. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah, I wasn't getting that. Uh. <laughs> All right, there we go. There you go. You're, you're mentioned. Sorry about that, fellas. Um, my, my other phone went dead, so I had to go to my cell phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we were still talking. Um, on the, yeah, we were still talking about uh, Jeff Moss's uh, and Justin Spiro's tweets about uh, the source that came in about the Tigers not willing to uh, give up their veteran players. They're less motivated, but they're still willing to to uh, shed more of their payroll, or at least some. Well, it makes you wonder if they were talking to Boston. You know, because Boston supposedly gave, uh, you know, Chicago White Sox the number one ranked minor league picture for Chris Sale. Yep, that's what the the articles say. And, uh, you know, Verlander's coming off, uh, you know, a... Contested uh, second place, you know, Cy Young, which I I don't want to get rid of him, but um, I, I he's actually one I'd like to keep. If we're gonna get rid of somebody, I think Miguel, just because you know he breaks down. He had his first healthy year in years, um, uh, you know, and I don't get the JD Martinez thing either, but uh, you know. I can see Ian Kinsler yes. just because he's older. Yeah, sources were saying that J.D. Martinez. Um, yeah, sources were saying that uh, J.D. Martinez is the, was the most likely to get traded, but J.D. Martinez somehow stayed in Detroit because the Mets re-signed their uh, left fielder Jonas Cespedes, a former Tiger, to a four-year, one hundred ten million dollar contract extension. As we already know. Yeah, that was big. Uh, but still, I, I didn't understand. I mean, J.D. Martinez is cheap. Let's see. We got him for, what, two years and $14 million, so I think we only own $7 million in the next two years. Uh, why would you trade him? Kinsler, who's making $15 million, he's a great player, but, you know, we got uh, Machado down in the, the minor leagues who's champing at the bit. Um, I just don't see it. Uh, I, I, I didn't get that uh, – metric of why we would trade J.D. Martinez, who's young and cheap and hits a lot of homers over someone. I mean, granted, he might, has more value, but um, when you got people like Kinsler, Cabrera, you know, older guys that, you know, maybe you're not getting, you know, I, I still don't think you'd get as much for J.D. Martinez as you would for Miguel Cabrera, even though the salary, I mean, you might have to eat some salary, but I just, I don't see the correlation, I guess. That, 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 that's understandable. But um, that, that second chart and the first chart, the, the, the first chart, the takeaway from those two charts would be that Matha is generating high-quality chances that we go, as we go back to uh, Prashant Iyer's article on a consistent basis 
basis and as such can be expected to, to continue scoring at a good clip. The eye test backs this up as he continues to generally to, to continues to generate high level scoring chances all by himself. Uh, he made a move against the Islanders that almost resulted in a goal. Unlike Dylan Larkin last year, Matha has a PDO, which is a sum of five-on-five on-ice shooting percentage versus five-on-five on-ice shots against percentage, or or SV percentage actually, of one point three of one hundred three point eight four, which is driven by by his his ninety-six point four nine percent SV as as opposed to the shooting percentage 6.85 what what that means is I do expect more goals to eventually go in against the wings when Matha is on the ice but there's not much suggesting that Matha is getting lucky from an from an from an offensive standpoint his individual all situations shot percentage percentage is 10 percent which is not unreasonable as opposed to Larkin, who had an all situations, an all situations, all situations shot shot percentage of 14.67 percent at this time last year. At this time last year, it's why many felt that Larkin's scoring pace would score would slow down last year, whereas I I'd expect Manta to be able to to sustain his current pace. However, Mantha's offensive game extends beyond individual scoring. He's also one of the, the strongest drivers of, shoot, of shot attempts relative to his teammates. Looking at five-on-five shot attempts and adjusting for the score, we see that Mantha is second in the NHL among forwards in his ability to drive, shoot, to drive shot attempts relative to his teammates. And and, and uh, here's a chart of the top ten forwards in five-on-five score-adjusted relative shot attempts for percentage. Anthony Mantha is second is in second place with with a plus eleven point one eleven point one six percent behind Brad Marchand with with um, a plus eleven point three five percent. Still ahead of uh, Patrice Bergeron of the Bruins, who has a 10.21% percentage. Marchand also plays for the Bruins as well. The data from Corsica Hockey. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Essentially, when Manta is on the ice, he drives shot attempts relative to his teammates better than everyone in the NHL, save Marchand, except Marchand. It's worth noting Manta's sample size is only 11 games, which is half the size of other guys on this list. Not, nonetheless, it is still an impressive first 11 games from Manta, and, and it will be worth following to see if he can maintain this pace. A big reason for Manta's early offensive success is his instant chemistry with Henrik Zetterberg and Tomas Tatar. Mantha's offensive IQ shines when playing the, with these guys. Check out one of his early 
season passes to Zetterberg that led to a goal. That's a GIF that you can see. That The Tatar-Zetterberg-Mantha line always seems to have the puck. TZM. When we turn to the shot attempt numbers, we find this to be true. Of all the line combinations that have played at least 50 minutes together at 5-on-5, five five, the Tatar-Zetterberg-Mantha line is one of the best in the NHL at controlling shot attempts. They are in they are in fifth they are the fifth best NHL line according to Corsica.hockey at five on five scoring score adjusted Corsi four percentage. That's uh, shot attempts four percentages. Uh, uh, seven they are they are at seven point they are at seventy one point nine six percent time on ice at five on five, their scoring adjustment course I four percentage is sixty sixty four point seven seven percent. Their scoring chance four percentage at, at five on five is seventy one point five two percent. Their their five on five goals for per sixty minute average is three point oh eight and their five on five goals against per sixty is zero Point nine three, and that, and the sixty four point seven seven five on five scoring adjusted score adjusted course I four percentage is is uh, dominant and one of the best lines the Wings have have iced since Zetterberg played with Pavel Datsuk and Tomas Holmstrom. That's impressive. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's you know eleven games played. Mm-hmm. He's already you know the top ten points on the team and uh, shot their goals. You know, almost hard. half of everyone else. I mean, he's looking good. I mean, you know, you like to see the young kids play. Yeah, that. Yeah, they're they're almost mowing down the entire competition, especially with Mantha. Also, his defense has impressed Prashant Thayer. Mantha's ability to get in on the forecheck quickly, recover loose pucks in the offensive zone, and keep plays alive in the offensive zone have been a big reason why the Wings take far more shot shot attempts when he's on the ice. You watch if you watch this next video, how quick he is to the loose pucks in this clip. So the Red Wings are going to dump it in. The Islanders are going to clear but not out. The Wings take a shot from the point that goes wide. Anthony Mantha passes to Tatar. Tatar passes back but has it intercepted, but not for long. Tomas Tatar feeds off, and then uh, the shot goes wide, and then Anthony Mantha gets the puck back. The puck is held in and, and then passed to DeKaiser then held in again and passed back to Zetterberg at the blue line. He surges in and shoots on on Yaroslav Halak, who makes the save. And in that video, Mantha wins three loose puck battles in the offensive zone, allowing the wings to maintain the puck in the offensive zone for 45 seconds 
which is a big reason why opposing teams generate very few shots against the Wings when Mantha is on the ice. In addition, oh, it was the – yeah. That's huge. I'm sorry. I just uh, – watching the Wings from the, you know, the 90s and whatnot, uh, that, that's what they did. The Russian Five would, uh, you know, keep the pug in the zone the whole time, uh, you know, so the other team didn't even have a chance to shoot. I know. In addition to his ability to win loose puck battles, Matha has also demonstrated excellent hockey IQ and decided when to attack from his third-man high position. As the third-man high, Matha's primary primary responsibilities are to make sure they, that he doesn't get trapped low and that he's able to support his defenseman to prevent a three-on-two rush if the first two four-checkers are beat. However, if timed correctly, the third man can jump jump in to apply pressure on the opposition as they try to break out of their zone. It can be risky and ill-advised if done poorly, but Matha showcases his IQ on Zetterberg's third-period goal against the Islanders. Watch this next video. So the Islanders have the puck and are uh, prepared, but Matha pokes the puck away on the forecheck. Tatar and, and John passes back to Jonathan Erickson, and Erickson lets one go. And it's tipped in by Henrik Zetterberg. In a flash, you see Matha come flying, flying in from his position, from his high position to force a turnover, and five seconds later, the puck is in the back, is in the back of the net. Those are the kinds of plays that don't show up on the on the score sheet, but are captured in him having very low shots against low shots against and very strong offensive numbers. It's a big reason why he's earned the earned the trust of head coach Jeff Blaschel in defensive situations. Only Drew Miller has earned fewer five on five offensive face offensive face off zone starts among Red Wing forwards. Now, here's a list of um, Red Wing players ranked in uh, five-on-five fewest offensive face-off zone start, start, start percentages. Anthony Mantha has uh, 14.58 in offensive zone start – has an offensive face-off zone start percentage of 14.58. But a defensive, but a five-on-five defensive face-off zone start percentage of 19.17, just uh, 1.7, 1.68% behind Drew Miller. Additionally, Mantha has seen his far share of opposing or fair share, make one of the two, of opposing top six forwards. Teammates in competition, Anthony Matha this year, red line indicates league average. It has the defender's depth chart rank, forwards and the forwards depth chart depth chart rank. 
the teammates' percentages of ice time and the competition percentage of the the competition percentage of ice time. Overall, Manta has been outstanding this season. That chart last by HockeyViz.com. He's generating chances at a fantastic rate, driving shot attempts at an at an elite level, and has found chemistry with with Zetterberg and Tatar. At this point in time, it's hard to argue against Mantha being the Red Wings' best forward. When Advocator Athanasiu and Helm get healthy, Ken Holland will have to make some tough decisions about who stays and who goes. It should be non-negotiable that Mantha remains with a big club. And Prashant Iyer's got a big valid point right there. There's... you know, there's people that can go. I mean, the way they've been playing, uh, Mads has got to stay. Um, I'm not sure you send down, but I mean, you know, it's not like there's anyone, you know, setting the world on fire. Yeah. But apparently even Ken Holland is start, starting to comprehend that. He knows he, he knows he's watching. Uh, this, uh, the Tarzetterberg mantle line, it that that's been trending. Because they've been doing the job. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, I mean he should be noticing. Um maybe he thinks his job's on the line too. Maybe, you know, Gors has got his eye on that too. So, you know, maybe he's buying the whole caboodle. And that guy knows he better do something. Uh you know, I mean, you think about some of the the trades he made back in the day, um, you know, when he had no salary cap, a lot of them didn't work out. No, I mean, right. And here he is, ten years later, still running the team, or fifteen years later, I should say, or twenty. Now, if Athanasiu and um, Justin Applicator were both to come back, I'd, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to say. Tomas Yurko and Brian Lashoff would be sent down, except Brian Lashoff is a defenseman. Nicholas, Nicholas Cronwall has, has an injury as well. Uh, we, know, we know about Jimmy Howard's injury, but he's a goaltender. We're talking about non-goaltender players. Right. Yeah. It's just... I don't know. I... I do you trust, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, you got to trust Bashel and Holland, I guess, at this point, to figure out the right combo. Um, but when someone comes up and produces like Matha, uh, you got to you gotta keep them up there. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Anthony Matha has to stay. Ken Holland has to sign Anthony Mantha to a contract. Uh, what uh, what year is he? I mean, I don't know how the background of uh, hockey players works. I had a buddy that played hockey for a long time, but <laughs> uh, do they have to sign him to a, like a pro contract for X amount of years or? Well, um, 
I'm not real. I'm not really sure, but um, the 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 best is yet to come. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, as, somebody can't go. Uh, as long as Mantha stays on the team, the best is yet to come. Exactly. Now just let's hope there's some more in the pipeline. I guess. Yep. That's true. And, uh, you know, a lot of late draft picks over the last 10 years, you know, 20 yeah. years. <laughs> Including uh, Evgeny Svechnikov for the Grand Rapids Griffins. He got a goal tonight. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He Did gave the, uh, the Griffins the 2-1 lead. And they held on until the uh, until 8:20 left in the third period when the monsters tied it up. But uh, Svechnikov uh, broke a slump, and he he's, uh, he could be a force to be reckoned with uh, in in the near future. That'd be you know like to see that uh, you know. Uh, the way the the minor league hockey works, it's so much different than you know baseball. Um, you know, besides the Griffins, you don't really know. You know, the OHL, the UHL, all that crazy stuff. You don't know where they're going. Uh, then they, you know, do the whole high school thing. Uh, but it's good to actually have like a minor league team like the Griffins, so you can see the minor league talent that's coming up. Uh, what what what's coming up? I I didn't hear yet. Uh, I was saying uh, how you know the the minor uh, hockey minor leagues has you know OHL UHL you know uh, they have a bunch of different leagues so you never really know where anyone's coming from but nowadays they got the Griffins and uh, you know that's the uh, Red Wings affiliate, so you can actually follow it, which is nice, kind of like minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I, which I think helps yeah. quite a bit. Oh, yeah. We cover the grip. We I cover the Griffins on this podcast. Right. But I'm saying, you know, I mean, you know, until, you know, six, seven years ago, you remember there used to be the, what, the Vipers that played at Palace? Actually, had a buddy that played for uh, the Frazier. Um, yeah, they were owned. They were owned with by uh, Bill Davidson, who also owned the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. Yep. And the Pistons. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. When they won the '04 championship. Remember that he was sitting there, and he had uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning win the championship, and he had a TV there with yeah, his legs same the court, so he could watch both. <laughs> Same year, Pistons and Lightning both won for Bill Davidson in 04. Yeah, 2004, man. That was a big, you know, I had a good time. Uh, you know, it was a big Pistons year. Uh, wasn't a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, but, you know, watching, uh, you know, they showed on the NBA TV, they showed him sitting on court with a TV between his legs showing the, the Tampa Bay, you know, hockey game. So it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
Well, all the night's work for us. Uh, Lewis, it's your turn. Okay, and away we go. I'll start with the NBA right here. The Magic over the Wizards, 124-116. Efren Payton, 26 points, 9 assists, and 1 rebound. The Knicks are on a hot streak now as they beat the Heat, 114-103. Carmelo Anthony, 36 points, 4 rebounds to assist. Gordon Dragic, 29 points, 7 assists, and 4 rebounds. Pistons beat the Bulls. 102-91, Jimmy Butler, 32 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Tobias Harris, 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. The Grizzlies get past the Sixers, 96-91. Tijron Isolanova, 23 points, 17 rounds, 4 assists. Marcus All, 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 3 assists. And Spurs beat the Timberwolves, 105-91. Kawhi Leonard, 31 points, 4 assists, and 1 rebound. Zach Levine, 25 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. And the Spurs are unbeaten on the road. And finally... Uh, hey, hey, Lou, can I interrupt you one second? I hate to do this. Uh, but how about that Kawhi Leonard show last night? Yes. 60 points, 11 dribbles. Wow, whoa. 60 points. So I just wanted to butt in. I'm sorry about that. Sickening. Absolutely sickening. Ah, but John Wool at all scores uh, last night uh, with 52 points. Ooh. Uh, Jazz over the Suns, 112-105. Devin Booker, 21 points, two rebounds, one assist. Gordon Hayward, 28 points, five rebounds, and four assists. All right, now we'll check the standings here. Let me go like this. In the East, the Cavaliers are still in the lead at 14-5. Raptors are 14-7, one game back. We've got a log jam here as the Raptors, the Hornets, Celtics, and the Knicks are 12-9, three games back. <laughs> My Knicks are catching up. All right. Uh, Bucks are 10-9, four back. Also four back at the Bulls at 11-10. And Detroit is 12 and 11, also a four back. Uh, on the outside looking in, Pacers are 10 and 11 at five back. The Hawks and Magic are five and a half back at 10 and 12. The Wizards are 7 and 13 at eight back. The Heat is 7 and 14 at eight back. The Nets are 5 and 15 at nine and a half back. And the Wolves Sixers are 4 and 18 at 11 and a half back. Oh, well. All right, the West. Warriors are 18-3. and three. A half game back of the Spurs at 18-4. and four. Clippers are 16-6. and six. At, oh, wait a second. Clippers are, yeah, 18, two and a half back. Rockets are 14-7 and seven at four back. The Grizzlies are four back at 15-8. and eight. Thunder are four and a half back at 14-8. and eight. Jazz are 14-9 and nine at five back. And the Blazers are 12-10 and ten. Uh-huh. Half back. Lakers are ten and thirteen at nine back. We're doing so well. Nuggets are eight and thirteen at ten back. At ten and a half back are the Kings at seven and thirteen. Pelicans are seven and fifteen at eleven and a half back. Timberwolves are Timberwolves and the Suns 
are 12 back at 6 and 15, and the Mavericks are 4 and 16, 13 and a half back. This looks like it's going to be a long season. All right, shall we go to the NHL? Okay, here we go. And it goes like this. Okay. The Sabres beat the Oilers in overtime 4-3. to three. Uh, Rushed to him uh, since the overtime winning, winning goal. The Devils uh, over the Canucks 3-2 to two, as Hall led the Devils over the Canucks with the uh, game-winning goal. Continuing on here, the Islanders double up on the Rangers, 4-2. to two. Lad and Halleck led the Islanders to the, to the win. Sorry to say that. Um, Warheck and Simmons lead the Flyers to the over the win over the Panthers, 3-2. The Blues get by the Canadian streets in overtime. Schwartz had the winning goal in overtime. And the Predators over the Avalanche, 4-3. to three. Uh, I think it's just uh, Jesse or Jesse with the winning goal on uh, a power play in the third period. All right, so let's check the standings here. Takes a while this to load up, though. Bear with me, folks. All right. In the array, the Canadians are 17, 16, and 3 at 37 points. Ottawa is 15, and 9 at 32 points. At 31 points are the Bruins at 15, 10, and 1. The um, Lightning, 14, 11, and 2, 30 points. Red Wings, 13, 11, and 3 at 29 points. Florida, 12, 11, and 4, 28 points. Sabres are 10, 10, 6 at 26 points, and the Maple Leafs are 10, 9, 5 at 25 points. Metropolitan Division, Pittsburgh has, has the is 16, 7, and 3 at 35 points. Rangers are 17, 9, and 1 35 points. So basically, they're, basically they're tied, sort of. Blue Jackets, 15, 5, and 4, 34 points. Philadelphia, 15, 10, and 3, 33 points. Washington is 14, 7, and 3, at 31 points. Devils are 12, 7, and 6, at 30 points. And the Hurricanes and Islanders are tied each, 10, 10, and 5, 25 points. Hmm, interesting. All right. Chicago, 17, 8, and 3, at 37 points. Blues, 15, 7, and 4. 34 points. Jets, 13, 13, 3, 29 points. No, not those Jets, the other one. Uh, Viking, uh, Wild, 12, 8, and 4, 28 points. I got me going now. Nashville, 12, 9, and 4, 20, uh, 28 points. Uh, Dallas, uh, yeah. Nashville, 12, 9, and 4, 20 points. Dallas, 10, 11, and 6, 26 points. And the Avalanche, 9, 14, and 1, and 19 points. That's pathetic. The Pacific, Edmonton, 14, 10, and 4, 32 points. Sharks, 15, 9, and 1, 31 points. Flames, 14, 13, and 2, 30 points. Ducks, 
12, 9, and 5, 29 points. Kings, 13, 10, and 2, 28 points. Vancouver is 11, 13, and 2, and 24 points. And the Coyotes, or Coyotes, 8, 13, and 4 at 20 points. And ugly. All right, now we'll check the um, college basketball scores. Men's and women's. If I can find the women's, I will. All right, and it goes like this. Villanova over LaSalle, 89-79. Jalen uh, Brusen, 26 points, three assists and two rebounds. How's this for name? Pookie Powell, that's his name, 27 points, two rebounds, and one assist. No. Nice to Pookie. Oh, boy. Kansas over UMKC. 105-62. Laval Boyd. Boyd. 17 points, two rebounds, two assists. Frank Mason, the third. 30 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Duke over Florida. 84-74. Kevon Allen. 21 points, one assist. Mar uh, Emil Jefferson, 24 points, 15 rebounds, and 2 assists. And that was at the Jimmy V Classic. Uh, Virginia over East Carolina, 76-53. Jeremy Shepard, 17 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Kyle Guy, and what a guy he is, 13 points, 4 assists, and 2 rebounds. What a guy. Oh, boy. Um, Purdue at no trouble with Arizona State. 97-64. Vince Edwards, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Cody Justice, 11 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. So Justice might have been served. Uh-oh. Arizona over UC Irvine, 79-57. Spencer Rivers had 8 points, 4 rebounds, and 1 assist. And Dusan Rustic, 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 1 block. And Notre Dame over Fort Wayne, 87-72. John Kutchnar, 18 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist. And Onzi Paulson, 17 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 assists. Uh, right, uh, other scores from the from tonight, or I should say now last night, as we're now, 1 a.m. on the East Coast. Boy, it'd be nice to live on the West Coast or Hawaii. Right about now. All right, I'll check some of the other scores from our neck of the woods, as well as yours. Um, Michigan, uh, Michigan State over Youngstown State, 77-57. Ohio, um, Florida Atlantic over Ohio State, 79-77 overtime. Rutgers had yeah, Rutgers had no total with Central Connecticut State, 79-37. Thank you. Uh, Florida State over Southern Mississippi, 98-49. <laughs> Miami over just crushes South Carolina State, 82-46. to Man, these scores are horrible. Um, Bucknell over Fairfield, 75-64. Uh, Morgan State took Manhattan in double overtime, 85-82. Monmouth over Wagner, 81-71. Robert Morris over Duquesne, 64-60. 
I'm looking for the I'm looking for actually it's, uh, in, uh, Minnesota over NJIT seventy four sixty eight. They just can't catch a break. Uh, Cal over Princeton fifty two to fifty one. And my Seen Hall Pirates uh, Aloha to Hawaii sixty eight fifty seven. Oh, Providence over Brown ninety five fifty seven. And Harvard over North went over Northeastern eighty six to eighty. I must say Northwestern. And Navy over Bryant seventy six seventy four. All right. Um uh, the Tennessee over oh all right, and now I'll check the women's scores. My computer will cooperate. I had a little bit of a connection problem before, that's why I also um almost couldn't give the scores. But everything is okay now. Thank God. Um just, yeah. Just a couple of games in the top twenty five of the women's. Um Miami crushed Loyola. Illinois, 81 to 43. Maryland over Townsend, 97 to 63. And Baylor over Texas State. You ready for this score? Now, this is embarrassing. 90 to 24. Ugh. That's embarrassing. 90 to 24. Like, uh, high school girls score. Yeah, I mean, that's humiliating. Uh, that's even worse than the Jets last night. Oh, okay. Um, I have some interesting NHL news here. The NHL and the NHL Players Association are mulling over a bye week next season for all 30 teams in the second half of the season. But some coaches and GMs oppose the idea that it would further uh, would further limit practice time and be more of a problem for the uh, West Coast teams who have a longer travel schedule. Now, of course, if the if the uh, NHL players do decide to play in the Olympics, then the two-week break will stay as planned, and they will forget about the five-day off week um, in that year. Can I interject on that? Um, sure. The Wings used to play in the Western Conference, and they Correct. by far traveled more than, like, 70,000 miles more than anyone else. Wow. And that was so unfair for all those years that I'm going to Colorado. San Jose, you know, uh, yeah. where the Islanders had to travel like 50 miles. So I know. I, I just always yeah. thought that was an unfair deal. Yeah, I think it was kind of weird though that Detroit played in the Western Conference. I mean, Detroit is the West. Yeah, I, it was a deal back in the day. Um, uh, I get it now, yeah. In the early 90s. You would have, you were around, Lou. You're my age. Uh, yes. But. Yeah, they got kind of screwed over by being sent to the West. And, I mean, they, so they had to do all the travel. Where, you know, the Eastern Conference, I mean, I, I want to say one year the uh, the Islanders, the Rangers only traveled like 15,000 miles. Where yeah. Detroit traveled, you know, like right. the Seattle Sea uh, Mariners always traveled like 80,000 miles a year, which was yeah. insane. Their closest trip was two hours to Oakland. I mean, you know. Yeah. For Seattle. Uh, so, yeah, I just I just want to interject that. I just always thought that was so unfair for Detroit. It was. It was. Time zones and whatnot. It's still one. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess. Okay. Uh, Red Sox get the save of the century, as it may be, as they require Chris Sale from the White Sox. $37 million over three years. Oh, well. Uh, but the Yankees made it the other day as they got as they got Matt Holiday. I don't know which holiday. I don't know if it's Christmas, New Year's, or Thanksgiving. But they got a but they got a holiday. Oh, I can tell you, Matt Holiday is the best. I know that was that was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke from my local show earlier uh, earlier yesterday. Oh boy, was that bad? <laughs> yeah. All right, Cavs guard J.R. Smith gets hit with a knee injury, and he tweaked it in Monday night's victory over the Raptors. He is listed as day-to-day, but no structured damage. Uh, I wish I could say the same for Tony for Spurs guard Tony Parker, as he suffered a left knee contusion in Monday night's game against the Bucks. Uh, no telling how long he's going to be out. Former Heisman Trophy winner um, Rashawn Salmon uh, died uh, Monday night, and his body was found in a parking lot at Evan G. Park, which was two miles away from where he played, where he played uh, college ball. A witness called 911 before 9 p.m. Um, there appeared to be no foul play at the time of death. Maverick center Andrew Bogat uh, is, a, is out at least 10 days with a bone bruise in his right knee after a, colli- after a collision under the basket. Uh, Bo was injured when Roy Hibbert fell into his onto his leg after Justin Anderson drove to the basket. Yeah. What a way to go down. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, Baylor hires uh, former Temple coach Matt Rule uh, to head the Bears football team, replacing Art Bryles, who was fired after the horrific scandal that rocked the school last spring. Um, at one time, Temple was, of course, the biggest joke in college football for like eons. Um, however, um, Rule has turned that program around, and now they are and now they are contenders. They upset Navy in the AAC conference. Uh, Championship over the weekend and took them to a 10 and 3 record. And I said, and I, and I quote this I said they were known as the most embarrassing, horrific, awful, pathetic, you can tell me anytime you want. Um, and now they've now they turned them into a, like a powerhouse. How about that? Yeah. 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 Baylor. Uh, yeah. I don't have any. No, I, I mean, Temple is now a powerhouse because they are pathetic. Well, the coach turned them into a powerhouse. Yeah. Let's hope he uh, cleans up Baylor. That's what I hope. Yeah, can you do something to help Rutgers? Ugh. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rutgers. Clearly sucks. Uh, they finished a record this season with 10-3. and three. Red Sox acquire reliever Tyler Thornburg from the Brewers in a multiplayer trade. Uh, Travis Shaw, a prospect Marco Dubin are also in the Brewers, as well as up-and-comer Josh Pennington from the minor leagues. And joins an impressive list here as Matt Barnes, Joe Kelly, and Keith Hembring, Hembring in the bullpen. Can you make them into winners? I don't know. We'll 
Ron says no to me with Bill Jackson in New York after making the comments of the uh, the hockey comments. Oh boy. And they were playing, they played the Knicks in New York um, tonight at 8 o'clock. And they've been, up, in, up until that point, they will have no contact with each other. I mean, it's not really like, a, like you said a bad word. I mean, that's, that's an old that's an old thing. Well, posse is, you know, that goes back to the old West. It is. Uh, but it got referred to, you know, in modern times. And, uh, yeah, I know. You know, Phil Jackson, uh, he's, you know, fuck, what is he, 80? He's a little out of touch now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Still think trying to offense work. <laughs> yeah. Westbrook does it again. He has a triple-double for the sixth straight game. His 10th overall this season. There you go. Yeah. Um, a white factor commander, Rich Hand, wasn't budging on the asking price for sale, given his given his um, all-star resume and modest contract. But as we now know, that all went to all went uh, the Red Sox way. Um, well, Brian Fitzpatrick has been benched, and Bryce Petty will take over as quarterback as the Jets. For the four games of the season, God help us all. The move was made after the most embarrassing performance of the season last night, but Fitzpatrick could be uh, the backup for Petty, but Coach Tuffle isn't going to indicate anything right now. Good. Both uh, <laughs> running backs, Frank Gore, passes 20 doors set for eighth on the all-time rushing list, now has 12,789 yards, that occurred last night's victory over the Jets. That's um, impressive. Yeah. For someone that blew out his knee so bad in college to yeah. do that, that's impressive. All right. Free uh, agent, agent NHL goaltender, Harry Rallo, has been medically cleared to, to play, after, play after suffering last year from a torn ACL in the game against the Sharks last spring, and it's rumored that the Leafs could be an option for him. Former Colorado Avalanche player Marek Sabato has passed away from a drug overdose. It is believed that several drugs were found in his system on November 5th. That includes, here's a list for you, painkillers and anti-anxiety medication and drug paraphernalia. Was found also had a history of using heroin. It has not been determined though by um, authorities that it was accidental by officials. Uh, Hornets beat the Mavs last night, 105 to uh, 109, 101. Um, a few other notes. Other notes here. Uh, Dwayne Wade. Hit 5,000 assists and became the 14th player in NBA history to hit 5,000 hits, 5,000 assists, and 20,000 points. Very impressive. Did you say Yarmir Yager? No. Who did? No, I. No, I, I it's just a little late. They get a little, you know. Sorry. Yeah. Tw- uh, let me look that back up again. 
I said, what's the word now? Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade. Oh, Dwayne Wade, okay. Dwayne Wade, 5,000 assists, 20,000 points. Very impressive. Yeah. Especially yeah. at, what, 5'10"? Uh, yeah. Hey, size doesn't I mean everything, you know. No, I mean, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, Isaiah Thomas, you know, people want to say 6'1", but he's 5'10 all day long. Uh, yeah. You know, short guys that can get it done, where actually Dwayne Wade did it above the rim, mm-hmm. where, you know, Isaiah did layups, and so did Joe Dumars, but, you know, to each his own. Well, bad news for the Nets, as we're not going to get Dantas Mondonis after all. The Rockets have matched the $37 million four-year offer. And in the process, released uh, guard Bobby Brown. No, not the top singer from the 80s. Not that Bobby Brown. What <laughs> if, if he did, it'd be his prerogative. Oh, no. Oh, yuck. All he needs to do is test the physical, which he did not even show up for today. So now what do we do? Ooh. Uh, Pelicans, uh, that is our Pelicans, first up, Drew Holiday, kicked out with a nagging turf toe injury. But good news, Anthony Davis was expected to play after being an x-ray for that spring right foot. Rich Hill signed a three-year, $48 million deal with the Dodgers. San Francisco Giants closer Mark McClellan uh, was signed to a four-year, $62 million deal a record by a closer. Last year had 47 saves with a 1.64 ERA and was acquired by Washington at the trade deadline. And the Cubs are to raise ticket prices by as much as 31% next season. Those are the box seats. Uh, the nosebleed seats will be only a 6% increase. Uh, yeah, the those those seats, the cheap the cheap seats. Uh, team is marketing face value to get more value of demand. Yeah, give a team a World Series, I think they own the world. Okay. Um, I don't believe uh, they've won a World Series though. Huh? The Dodgers? No, the Cubs. Oh yeah, well they can charge whatever they want. Uh, yeah. Give a team a World Series, think they own the world. Hey, uh, well, what can you say about Theo Epstein? I mean, the guy, you know, he's one, you know, he's he's, uh, killed two ghosts, I guess you could say. Yeah, I guess. Okay, well, my notes are done for the night. Uh, It's back to you, gentlemen. All right, thanks very much, Lewis. Sure. I got one. I got one last thing to say about uh, Anthony Mantha before we sign off. Um, I think you're in love with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the more the more Anthony Mantha has kept up, the more he produces, especially w- with that Tatar Zetterberg Mantha line, the more wins the Wings keep collecting, they, they get more points. The more points they get, in the NHL standings, the, the greater the chances are the Red Wings might make the might actually make the playoffs for the 26th consecutive time, wow. and who knows they 
with with Manta on the on the playoff roster, the Red Wings might actually make a deep make a deeper run than we anticipate. Well, I guess the big thing is, the um, are they good enough to make the playoffs and make a run, or do we want them to? Because otherwise, but they're going to be borderline, you know, and get a crappy pick anyhow. So you got to root for them to make the playoffs and hope this kid can make a run. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so with that being said, um, anything else, Lewis, before we sign off? Uh, no, uh, my work is done. All right. That does it for episode 161 of the Michigan Sports Truth Postgame Edition on on Talk Show. Ed, Spreak, Ed Smith and I will be on Spreaker tomorrow night at midnight. Um, I'll be working a script prior to then. Our next postgame is... Uh, episode 162 on Thursday night. Uh-oh. You there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Thursday night, what time? Thursday. Oh, wait, Thursday. Um, Thursday, there are, there are no games uh, whatsoever, but... Um, there, there are three games. To, there are three games uh, later today. Uh, Western Michigan at Cleveland State, Detroit Mercy at Toledo, and the Pistons at the Hornets. They all start at seven o'clock. Oh, nice and early. So we might have, uh, we might have actually have a, po- a quick post game edition on Talk Show uh, uh, tomorrow night. Later tonight at at nine thirty. All right, that'll be fine. Uh, I got a question for you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, well, if there's nothing going on Thursday, uh, would you ever consider just a bicker session? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. Maybe yeah. half an hour for me, you arguing <laughs> something like that. Well, Ed's only. I think Ed's only Ed Smith's only available for Wednesday, because Thursday, well Thursday, uh, Thursday uh, he might not be available, and I can't do it alone. Okay, I'm just saying, just let me know. I'm just offering other ideas. So. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I'll I'll have to think about this whole situation, and then. Um, We'll see where we where we go from there. All right. All right. Taylor, Lou, great to talk to you guys tonight. Another right. fun yep. night. Thanks for joining us. Sure. All right. That'll be a good night, folks. All right. And that does it for episode 161. We'll be back either Wednesday night or Thursday night for episode 162 of the post-game edition on Talk Show, the Michigan Sports Truth. For Lois Denor and Matt Pierce, I'm Taylor Phillips. Follow uh, Matt Pierce on Twitter at Mailing10. That's M-A-E-L-I-N-G, the number 10. And follow me on Twitter at DT2Phillips with two L's.
TTFN. Ta-ta for now. Bon appetit.